Well, I want to share a message with you, and, and really it's, it's around what we've already experienced around affectionate worship with the Lord. And I want to talk about that this morning. The message is called The Broken Jar. And you'll find this message from the book of Mark, chapter 14. It's also found in Matthew 26. It's also found in John chapter 12. And so we have these three accounts of the same story. A woman comes with a bottle of perfume. She breaks it open. She anoints Jesus' head. And some accounts his feet as well. And she anoints him with something precious. And immediately as I was reading this account, I thought about worship. Something that we do every Sunday, something you might do every day, where you come to the Lord and you worship him. And worship is really poured out affection for him. It's not just a religious act. We don't just sing words because we know them. We don't just raise our hands because everyone else is. We don't just go through the motions that worship really is adoration and devotion for God. But what does that look like? What does affection look like? What does worshiping Jesus look like? How does one respond in worship to God? Have you ever asked yourself those questions? How do I actually worship God? Many years ago, I remember worshiping the Lord during a chapel service while I was in university. I went to Trinity, so we had chapel services every week. And I remember worshiping the Lord. And and I've always been somewhat of an expressive worshiper. You know what I mean? Just sort of... I'd always show my emotion as I'm worshiping. I feel emotion. I'm Italian, so my Italian goes into my worship, and it just comes out like a beautiful sauce before the Lord. <laughs> but it can be expressive. And I remember in university, I was worshiping the Lord, and, and someone came up afterwards, and he said, I love watching you worship. And I said, that's creepy. And then he said, but why do you look so sad all the time? (laughs) And I'm like, because I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. Like I have nothing to bring him. I just like crawl into worship and I'm just rotten. I'm broken. I'm, I'm, I'm a horrible human being and I'm worshiping this almighty God. You know, I had a really good handle on reverence. I had a really good handle on holiness, but he said something to me that changed the way I worshiped. He said, did you know that worship could also be joyful? Do you know that worship could also be loving? Do you know that you could feel the peace of God as you worship? And of course, at first I'm like judging him for judging me. But I thought about that after, and I I thought about, how does God see me? And how do I see God? And then, how do I define worship? 
As I was reading the story of, this, of the woman in Mark 14, you can turn there with me. We'll start in verse three, and I'm gonna read from the NIV version. Brokenness can become worship. Brokenness can become worship. Mark chapter 14, verse three. While he was in Bethany, Jesus, Bethany, of course, is the town where Lazarus lived, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. Some accounts think that this was, could have been actually the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And some actually think that Simon the leper, who we'll read about in a moment, could actually be the father of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. And this could be their home. But that's just what some scholars believe. And some scholars don't believe that. So, but I figured I'd throw it out there for those that are curious. This could have been, could have been Lazarus' home. While he was in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Jesus is reclining. They're, they're having a meal. They're having a party. They're at Simon the leper's house and Jesus is reclining. Now, when they would recline, they would kind of lean forward and their feet would be kind of behind them and they'd be laying down kind of on their arm or they'd be leaning in some way. And this woman comes up behind him and breaks. Imagine breaking a bottle of perfume in someone's home or in any room. And she begins to pour it out on his head. First, I want you to consider that the broken jar is the woman's life. And the woman is coming before Jesus to be willing to be broken and to be willing to be poured out before Jesus. That she comes up to him, and this is an expensive bottle. The pure nard, it's, it's believed that it comes from the mountains of India. It was very expensive. This wasn't your normal go down to the bay and, and buy Calvin Klein perfume and break a bottle of that. It was very expensive. It was actually a year's wages. And she came up and broke it over him. And it's, it's as if she's breaking her life at the feet of Jesus. She's breaking herself before him to anoint him. And, and the first picture I had was that when we are broken before God in worship, when we are broken before him in worship, when we come to him in our brokenness and we kind of crawl into church and we lay here at the altar, metaphorically speaking, when we lay before Jesus and we just worship him from this brokenness, there's something interesting about brokenness is there's only one response. It's that everything is poured out. When you break a bottle of anything, when you break something, it's just like, Everything is everywhere, right? If you have kids, you know this for sure. Like milk, they drop it. It's everywhere, right? And it's as if the picture I had is this woman comes before Jesus and she just breaks herself before Jesus. And her whole life pours out as this aroma flowing over him. 
And in this brokenness, there is so much beauty because it's this poured out affection. It's from a place of weakness. It's from a place of frailty. It's, it's Lord, I am broken, but I'm broken before you. And so I, I offer this broken self, this brokenness to you this morning to you. She didn't pour it out gently. She's in the home of Simon the leper. You ever think about that? I used to go right over that. Simon the leper. What's his story? Well, we know that he doesn't have leprosy anymore. Because if he did, they wouldn't be in the house with him. He'd be on the outskirts of the city. He wouldn't be allowed to be around anyone. He would be unclean. No one would be going to a party at Simon the leper's house. <laughs> He's a total buzzkill because of the leprosy. This is actually, though, his nickname because he was healed from leprosy. So he carried this name throughout his life. When I read that, I thought about, what's my nickname? What are the things that I carry throughout my life? I could have been known as, when I was younger, Joel the Impulsive. <laughs> Joel the weed-smoking, beer-drinking high school student that was never in class. Joel the dropout of private school. That would have been my nickname. But this name of Simon actually carries a testimony as well. He could have been healed by Jesus. But he carried the name the leper his whole life. It's interesting that we're celebrating and collecting boxes for OCC because behind OCC is Franklin Graham. And what's interesting is Franklin Graham and I went to the same school. We went to the Stony Brook School. Not at the same time. He's a little bit older than I am. But what's more interesting than that is I was kicked out of that school. And what's even more interesting than that is he was kicked out of that school. And the last time I had been there was I heard Franklin Graham speak at a commencement ceremony after I had been kicked out. And he said, I was kicked out of the school too. And I'm like, there's hope. Billy Graham's son and I were kicked out of the same school. That could have been his nickname, Franklin the Dropout. But Simon the leper, Simon the leper. And next we have, who is this woman? Well, the woman, we, we can understand that the woman would be Mary. Mary, the sister of Mar Martha and Lazarus who lived in Bethany. And we know that because in John 12, it tells us that this was Mary. Now, this is one of two instances. This is a, be a really good study for you. Study the life of Mary because this is one of two instances where she is sitting 
affectionately encountering Jesus, doing something no one else is doing. The other time in Luke chapter 10, she is sitting before Jesus while Martha is serving everybody in the home. And she's just sitting there. And Martha gets upset because Mary's not helping, but Mary is doing the more important thing, sitting at the feet of Jesus, adoring him. Encountering his presence. Experiencing this love, this intimate relationship with Jesus. And here again, as she breaks this bottle of perfume before Jesus... She gets in a lot of grief from those that are sitting there. Now, she's not just pouring out a little bit of perfume on him. We learn from this that she is pouring out an anointing on Jesus that would prepare him for burial. That she would actually be pouring out this perfume onto Jesus that would lead us into the Last Supper, the trial, the death and the resurrection of Jesus, that this moment was a prophetic act where she is anointing him as Messiah. She's anointing him to be buried. Now, not everyone will understand our worship. You might go through this. You know, on a Monday, everybody says, hey, how was your weekend? And you're like, great. Well, what'd you do? I went to soccer games on Saturday, and I did this, and I went to church. You went to church? Yeah, I went to church. It was awesome. You went to church? Who goes to church? Well, I do, and it was awesome, and it's changed my life. You ever been there? You share with somebody that you go to church? Do you have a relationship with God? You mean an invisible being? You have a relationship? Yeah, I have a relationship with God. We've all been there, right? These conversations where not everyone understands our worship. She goes through this. It says this in verse 4. Some of those present were saying indignantly. This is like angry rebuke. This is a harsh word. And they're saying to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. People will always judge our affection for Jesus. People will always judge the way we spend our time with Jesus. People that judge the way that you worship Jesus, that the way that you sit at the feet of Jesus. But brokenness in worship is never wasted even though everyone else might be doing something else even though people at work or in our family or friends close to us that don't understand what we're doing, having a relationship with God, that worship is not wasted. Worship is never wasted. And Jesus sees our brokenness. He sees our brokenness as beautiful. 
because he responds to these indignant people. These people mocking her, rebuking her, telling her, Mary, you are, that could have been sold. They didn't want to give to the poor. They could care less about the poor. They're just rebuking her for the way she worshiped. Jesus responds, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. I love this because even in our brokenness, in this woman's weird act, Jesus looks at her and he knows what she is doing and she sees her worship and he sees her brokenness and he says, this is a beautiful thing that she has done to me. You see, Jesus and Mary are, are having an encounter. They're having an intimate moment with each other. They are experiencing something that no one else in the room is experiencing. They're not aware of what is happening right now, except Jesus and her. And he goes on to say, the poor you will always have with you. And you can help them anytime you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. We don't know that she even understood what she was doing. It doesn't say that Mary knew that the time had come for Jesus to go to the cross. It doesn't say that. It's just, it, I, I see this woman as just affectionately pouring it out before Jesus, anointing him. Now, why didn't Simon the leper anoint Jesus? It was often common that you'd anoint an honored guest that you'd have come to your home. But it doesn't say that Simon the leper did anything, but this woman did. She, she poured out affection devotion upon Jesus and she just broke it and poured it out and in that brokenness Jesus said number one that's beautiful and number two she's preparing me for burial she's aware of something that no one else was aware of and that is often how I feel in worship you know sometimes I just get caught up in the presence of God and there's something happening with me and him and I don't even see anyone else I don't know what I'm doing sometimes. I don't think about, am I standing, am I hands raised, am I kneeling, am I sitting down? Am I, I, I get caught up in this moment with the Lord and I'm worshiping him and we're having this experience, this encounter, this intimate connection together. It doesn't look beautiful on the outside. It might look weird to some that are looking at me. Those that don't believe in God would think it's absurd. You're dancing in worship to God, Joel? Whenever I meet people, it's so funny. They're like, uh, I'm, I'm like, I'm, yeah, I'm a pastor. And they're like, oh, really? What church? Uh, Foursquare. What's that? Yeah, I figured we'd get there. Well, it's kind of expressive and modern. And, and you're not like those Pentecostals, are you? It's like they know the Pentecostal. They think Pentecostal on one side, evangelical, Catholic. I'm like, yeah, we actually, our theology is Pentecostal, actually. Wait, you don't like, 
you know, jump around and clap and dance. Yeah, that's me. Oh, yeah, it's amazing to worship God. People may think we're weird because they don't understand. And Jesus says something interesting. He says, the poor you will always have with you. Jesus does not mean don't care about the poor. What Jesus does mean is sometimes the internal is more important than the external. Sometimes our relationship with God needs attention. I'm not talking about coming to church. I'm not talking about listening to a sermon. I'm not talking about that quick prayer before your meal. I'm talking about this internal, intimate relationship with God. Sometimes that needs work. Sometimes we think the external is the relationship. The external should be the overflow of the relationship. But the external is not the relationship. Again, Jesus is not saying to not feed the poor. He says throughout the gospels to feed the poor, care for the widow, care for the orphan, love the poor. But in this instance, He's saying, Joel, you need to focus on this connection more. Joel, you need to focus on this intimacy more. The people around Mary didn't understand her worship. They didn't understand what she was doing. They didn't understand how she could waste this perfume. But what appeared to be her wasted worship was the most important thing she could ever do that day. I don't want to say this because I just want you to show up next week on time for worship. I don't want you to come on time because I told you to come on time. But 
don't miss worship. It's not even come because we love for everyone to be here at 9.30. It's, it's, you don't want to miss this. I don't want to come to the end of like pastoring and I'm like, I just, I think of so many that missed this encounter. Missed this intimacy. Missed the relationship for religion. Missed the internal for the external. And I, I, I get it. Like as a parent, it's hard to get, it's hard to get in the car to go to our mailbox, which we have to drive to a minute away on time. It's hard to get to school on time. It's hard to get to soccer on time. It's hard to get to church on I get it. And we have mornings like that where it's just it's hard to get anywhere on time. I get that. I get extenuating circumstances. I have five kids, a hundred farm animals. I get that time is relative. But if you do miss worship here, Don't miss worship. Don't miss the internal moments of pouring out in brokenness, in sweet fellowship to the Lord. Romans 5, 5 says, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We have a capacity to pour out because we've been poured into. We have a capacity to love God because he has poured his love into us. We have the ability to worship him intimately because he's poured his love into us. And our intimate worship is a response of the Holy Spirit who's been poured out into us. So we may not feel comfortable raising our hands or comfortable kneeling or comfortable dancing or comfortable pausing in stillness or whatever it might be. It's not about our comfort. Because we've been given a capacity to do what we are incapable of doing. Our life is the jar. When we came to Jesus, we took our life and we smashed it at the feet of Jesus. And now the rest of our life is perfume everywhere. <laughs> and there is no possible way 
you can find all of the pieces of the jar that were smashed at the feet of Jesus and try to put it back together again. 